Welcome back to the outside world, a fresh episode, the morning after Oklahoma's big win at home over visiting Houston and Dana Holgerson. Jalen Hurts absolutely put on a show. The Athletics Oklahoma beat writer and insider Jason Kersey was there. What's up, Jason? Tell me about the scene last night in Norman. Hey, John. It's uh, good to be podcasting with you again. Um, man, w- what a what an unbelievable performance by Jalen Hurts. I mean, we can. There's so many things to talk about from that game. Um, the defense was, I think, pretty good, all things considered. Um, but uh, but yeah, we got to start with Jalen Hurts. I mean, that was. Um, and I, and I don't, I know that this sounds like hyperbole and I'm sure a lot of people will think that I'm being hyperbolic here, but I'm just getting the stat sheet here. Uh, 20 of 23, 332 yards and three touchdowns passing 16 rushes, 176 yards and three touchdowns, 11 yards, a a rush. Um, that is one of, if not the greatest single game performance by a quarterback in Oklahoma football history. And Oklahoma has, you'll, you'll recall, four Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks in its history, including the most recent two. But I don't think any of them ever had a single game passing and rushing the ball uh, on this level. It, it's honestly ridiculous. And, and we talked about it last week on the pod, Jason, uh, about the pressure on Jalen Hurts, about uh, him being the, the quarterback who's filling the shoes of not only one Heisman Trophy winner, but two. Not only did he fill those shoes, he, he was wearing his own cleats last night. I mean, you talk about a guy who who sees the moment and 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 all of a sudden became, in my mind, uh, the front runner to win the Heisman Trophy. And the reason why I say that simply is because Lincoln Riley's offense. You know, if, if Lincoln Riley wasn't calling plays and Jalen Hurts you know, wasn't playing in the Big Twelve, I might feel a little bit differently, Jason. But. I don't want to wildly overreact. And by the way, your, your post-game column was, was phenomenal. Uh, it's up on The Athletic right now. Um, just search Jason Kersey. You can find it there. And I know something that you talked about is Lincoln Riley saying, pump the brakes. Let's not overhype this. Let's not overreact to game one. But, you know, I've got news, Lincoln. There's a reason why this, this, this podcast is called The Outside World. And I reserve the right to wildly overreact whenever I want. <laughs> Okay, I, I think I think Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman Trophy, uh, and, and that's and that's the end of it, Jason. I I, re- I honestly do believe it. I think that he put himself. I mean, he he obviously is going to be a contender for the Heisman. I mean, I still th- he's, Trevor Lawrence is still out there. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is still out there, but uh, but man, that that performance last night was something else. And I mean, he, he just. He looks so smooth. He looks so at ease out there. And, and I, I got to say, you talked about he was in his own cleats. Um, this is completely unrelated and probably unimportant. But I don't know if you saw, he was wearing like that red ankle tape. And all that reminded me of is, I don't know, John, if you used to play the old NCAA game, but uh, that was like my look for created players. I would always <laughs> do the, the colored tape, Absolutely. you know, the, the like the team color tape. I mean, I thought it looked who, so who cool. He, I mean, that that look is so freaking cool with the colored tape. And I don't see it hardly ever, but I always used to do it on NCAA. So right from the beginning, I mean, I thought, okay, he's going to have a good game because of that alone. Well, you're not kidding as far as, like, not only the, the cleats and, and how fresh they looked. I mean, he's wearing, 
double earrings after the game, talking to Holly Rowe. This kid has so much swag. He, he came into the press conference in a suit. He came into the post-game press conference in a suit uh, without the jacket, like just the vest. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he, he is just oozing swag. By the way, if you're listening to the show, uh, this is the, the free episode that you're going to get this week. Do us a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, uh, subscribe, rate, and, and review the show. We, we would very much appreciate it. And you can always catch our bonus episode, and you can catch that later this week exclusively on The Athletic. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash the outside world. The defense was, was another story here, Jason, as well. And I thought something that you absolutely – did an incredible job of pointing out in, in your column is that Oklahoma didn't start the game with two three and outs once last year. They did it last night. I mean, does that speak volumes or what about this new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch? Well, you could sort of feel the energy in the stadium uh, after that second three and out. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty pretty uh, palpable because, yeah, last year, you know. I know that Houston is a group of five school, and I know that really when you look at the stats, it ended up being sort of meh. I mean, 31 points, over 400 yards allowed. Um, But you could just sense it being different with Alex Grinch. I mean, they were flying around to the ball. They were, uh, especially early in the game, they were containing Derek King, who Lincoln Riley says, and, and I would agree, is, a, is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And he's going to cause a lot of people a lot of problems um, as the season moves forward. Um, they were containing him pretty well. They were getting pressure on him. They were disruptive. Uh, all the things that they weren't last year, they were early in the game. Now, as the game went on, they gave up some points. They gave up some yards, especially in the second half. Things didn't look quite as good as they did in the first half. Um, but I think there's some explanations for that. I mean, I think they uh, they were rotating a lot of guys in and out, which probably hurt in the short term when it came to the stats and all those sorts of things last night. But I think it's a good thing in the long term because that is something that Mike Stoops just did not do. Um, He was not comfortable rotating guys in nearly as much as Alex Grinch did last night. So that could be actually a good thing in the long term. The, the really the, the, the worst thing you can say about the defense is that, you know, after spending months and months and months obsessively talking about turnovers and forcing takeaways. Uh, Alex Grinch's defense uh, forced no interceptions, no fumble uh, recoveries last night. Um, And that is something that uh, he said, quote, ripped his heart out. He, uh, because that is his whole purpose. So um, that, that's, you know, that's the one thing I think, I think that's the one thing a lot of fans really wanted to see last night and they didn't. And that's something they're going to have to start doing. I'm glad you brought up that quote by Alex Grinch because I, I this morning I thought it was one of the better quotes that came out of this this post game commentary and and you mentioned about him saying it rips your heart out and and he went on to say it'd be the equivalent of asking an offensive coach how you feel about not scoring touchdowns. I wouldn't go that far, by the way. Yeah, I don't your, know about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I get what he's going with. I, I do, but. I don't think that is a, uh, a good comparison. It feels like apples to oranges. But anyway, he says, that's the purpose of being on the field. Certainly, obviously, you're excited about the win, but no, devastated that we got none. Tell me why. I want to know why. Got to do a better job as coaches. So 
Alex Grinch, he comes out as his defense looks like they're flying around the football field. They have a great first half. Yeah, there's three touchdowns late in the game, and, and that's really when you want your defense to be at its best late in the game. So if there is a cause for concern, I think that's it. And Alex Grinch, even after having a successful debut, has done a really nice job of kind of changing the narrative, flipping the script, and making sure his team knows that uh, getting no takeaways – is not ideal. That is the goal for this defense. And then giving up three touchdowns late in the game. That's something that, against a Big 12 opponent, Jason, may come back to haunt you. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're going to have to force takeaways. But a couple things that the, the that I noticed about it being different completely. Number one, um, I would say, and I, I think a lot of fans would probably agree, last year's Oklahoma defense gives up probably 45 points in that game, um, at least, maybe more. Um, that first half does not happen the way that it happens last year. There's no just chance. no way. Um, so, I mean, and in an 18-point game, I mean, do they lose last year to Houston? Probably not. They probably would have kept Hurts in the game and was scored again and scored more points, whatever. But um, that defense does not – looked that good last year um, early in the game. Derek King has way more than 167 yards passing last year. Um, completes way more than 14 of his 27 pass attempts. Um, so I, I think that's fair to say. Kenneth Murray, the uh, Mike linebacker, looked like a man on fire. I mean, this guy, I, I have to say about Kenneth Murray, a lot of people were – you know, he was voted the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year preseason. And I scoffed at that, honestly, uh, because I felt like what it meant was is that a lot of media members who voted on it were purely looking at stats because he did have a lot of tackles last year. But if you watch the game, Kenneth Murray missed a lot of tackles. Uh, he was out of position a lot. A lot of his tackles came 10 yards downfield. Um, so I kind of thought, come on, guys, like, really? But... Uh, and I still am not sure that he should have been voted the preseason player of the year. But last night, he looked like the Kenneth Murray that we all think that he can be based on his talent. He was everywhere. Um, he was flying around. Uh, he looked like a completely different player. Um, so so that's the other thing I'd say. And then the last thing is that Alex Grinch came in and said, you know, said not good enough. Um, and as much as I personally liked and got along with Mike Stoops, I felt like if they'd played a game like that last night, he kind of probably would have come into the press conference with a, you know, with a little bit more of a cockiness, you know. I, I, I just feel like the standard has now been set, and they didn't meet it last night, even though we're all talking about how well they played. That's a great point, and that's where I think complacency comes in when you have a coach who's been doing the same job over and over again. Uh, all of a sudden – you realize that that maybe there's not that same standard st set that you can get away with some things that maybe you wouldn't get away with with a new young coach who's trying to make a name for himself and trying to make a name for his defense. Yeah, totally. I mean, Alex Grinch is so hungry to 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 be great. You can just see it. You can tell every time he comes in, every time he talks. Um, it's just different. And I mean, and and that's why I think. Um, and, and I know that OU fans definitely don't want to hear this right now, probably, but uh, that's why I kind of think that getting fired was a good thing for Mike Stoops, and I think that once he's out of uh, the Nick Saban coach rehabilitation program uh, down in Tuscaloosa, huh. I, I, I kind of feel like he'll have a chance to actually 
have a pretty nice uh, career moving forward. I mean, he's had a great career before. The guy knows defense, but um, it just was not working at Oklahoma anymore. And I and I and you know, you wonder if on a psychological level there was some level of complacency there, especially when you've been working for your brother for that long. You brought up Nick Saban, so I so I've got to give you this take in regards to to Jalen Hurts. Did you see his post game interview with Holly Rowe? I actually, no, I actually didn't watch it. I was standing pretty close to where it was happening, and, and I and I kind of have the gist of what what he said, but I, I actually wasn't. I actually still haven't heard what he said. Okay, so so basically, and I'll paraphrase here, Jason, is that you know that he scores six touchdowns. He goes to talk to Holly Rowe, and and Holly's is so excited. Of course, she's got a big smile on her, her face, and she's expecting Jalen Hurts to just be be beaming, beaming with energy, and. He's got a straight face on. He's answering questions like Oklahoma just lost the game by three touchdowns. And she is basically, Jason, begging him to <laughs> say, oh, I'm so happy right now. I've got a huge smile on my face, and this is the best game I've ever had in my entire life. Instead, all Jalen Hurts was saying was, got to go back and get with the guys. Tonight's performance wasn't good enough. We've really got to improve, especially in this area and in that area. And I'm watching that interview post game. And Jason, uh, it, it might have well have been Nick Saban talking, like seriously. He is a mm-hmm. walking, talking, Sabanized quarterback balling out for Oklahoma. Like, what happens when you combine a Sabanized quarterback with Saban's mindset and Lincoln Riley's playbook? Like, legitimately. <laughs> We are, uh, and the analogy that, I, that I've got to make are you, are you, is, is Westworld. If you've seen Westworld on HBO, there's a character named Maeve. I, I, have, n- I have not seen it, but I, everyone keeps telling me I need to watch it. But anyway. So, so basically, she has the ability to, to open up her robotic profile and change uh, some of her attributes. And she turns into this basically superhuman robot. And that's, Jay- honest to God, right now, Jason, that is Jalen Hurts. I mean, Lincoln Riley... Think about how lucky this guy is. Uh, and, and, and from a play-calling perspective, right, he's, he's great. And, and in my opinion, maybe the best play-caller in college football. But he just picked up a quarterback that was in Nick Saban's system for years who is a Nick Saban quarterback. He probably has the most maturely developed quarterback in college football and he got that Jason from the time that he stepped on campus it's highway robbery man (laughs) yeah I mean it it is pretty unbelievable and you know my reaction to that from Jalen is is I I feel like I I imagine I mean certainly Holly probably wanted this but OU fans probably wanted to hear him be excited Um, but you know this was the first game of the year and this guy has played in three national championship games he's won a national he's been part of a national championship team i mean he i mean he led them to that national championship he may not have won that particular game but he led them to that national championship uh he knows what good enough looks like and uh he knows what the standard now is and so it's different i mean it's just different this guy this guy has been part of the preeminent college football program uh, in, in the country, and so he, yeah, I mean, nothing is going to look good enough. He fumbled. He fumbled last night. Let's, I mean, while we're talking about all the great things, he did fumble last night. So, um, so he knows that he wasn't perfect, and that's what's scary, man. If I mean, okay, so these numbers, I think ESPN put this out last night that 
He is the second player in college football history to throw for 300 yards, rush for three touchdowns, rush for 150, and rush for three touchdowns in the same game. And the other was Johnny Manziel. I mean, this what we saw last night was unbelievably unprecedented. And he doesn't think it was good enough. I mean, if they're if the and and then you take that on the defensive side. They looked really good early in the game. If they can spread that out across a whole game, if they can figure out how to not let things get complacent late, um, what is this team going to look like at the end of the year? I mean, I don't want to, again, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but that this team could win the national championship. I agree 100%. Let's talk about the guys in the backfield with Jalen Hurts, Jason. It's a group that I was curious about really heading into the year. And now knowing that Jalen Hurts is going to be featured extensively in the run game for, for Lincoln Riley, I thought his connection with Jeremiah Hall was special. You know, he threw that first touchdown pass to Jeremiah Hall. Uh, he, he made a serious impact in the game. Who else did you like in the Oklahoma backfield? Yeah, um, you know, I, the, the, it was so limited because Jalen Hurts did so much on his own. I mean, Trey Sermon only had 11 carries, 96 yards. Obviously, that's that's good. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see Kennedy Brooks get so little run, only four rushes. It, it felt a lot like early last year where Kennedy Brooks would come in, he'd rush four or five times, and he'd average 10 yards a carry. And everyone – well, I don't know about everyone, but me, I was sitting there thinking, why is this guy not getting the ball more? And then once he did get the ball more, he still averaged eight yards a carry and ended up being OU's leading rusher. Um, so, you know, you but there are other things at play there with Kennedy Brooks that we all know about, the, the Title IX investigation that kept him suspended during the summer. I do sort of wonder if that is lingering in some way, whether that's, how, however that may be, most likely scenario being that he just you know, miss summer workouts and that set him back. Um, so I was a little surprised he didn't get more run. Ramondre Stevenson comes in and, uh, and, and has a pretty nice game at the end rushes for that final touchdown did fumble though. And, and OU coaches, um, have for years been very, um, they will hold you, hold a fumble against you. If you fumble, um, they, you, you won't see the field. I mean, that is something they will, they will absolutely hold against you for weeks. So if, so hopefully for Ramondre Stevenson, the fact that he scored a touchdown at the end was good. And honestly, if he, if he, you know, cause by the end of that game, they wanted to keep Sermon and Brooks probably healthy. Stevenson was really the only option because freshman Marcus major, who has gotten a lot of great attention, a lot of great praise throughout the fall camp. People are really excited about him, uh, was actually, uh, sidelined last night he wasn't suited up so I wonder if after that fumble if Marcus Major had been available if he would have gone in because of the fumble but um, I mean they averaged 9.6 yards a rush and rush for 354 yards there's not a whole lot to complain about about that and and further I would I would say and, and I don't know if you wanted to get into this but I would also add that is also very bodes very well for the offensive line they allowed no sacks last night 9.6 yards a rush, four new starters. Um, that group really, all things considered, played really well. Huge. And, and four new starters on that offensive line? Is, is, is that uh, Was that the situation last night? Yeah. I mean, they had four guys drafted in the first four rounds of the NFL draft in April. I mean, the only guy back was Creed Humphrey, the center, and uh, everyone else was new. So, um, so that, I mean, that's pretty yeah. damn good. Now, uh, one thing that I want to keep an eye on moving forward with the, with the offensive line is what they're doing at left tackle. Um, 
you know, Sam Mays was an offensive lineman at Oklahoma State in the early 2000s. He's a radio guy here in Oklahoma City now. And uh, whenever I have offensive line questions uh, or want some insight, I go to him in the press box. And he was talking about how at left tackle they might have a little bit of a problem because uh, R.J. Proctor started the game there, the Virginia grad transfer. He'd been a guard his whole time at Virginia, and he said you can really tell that he's never played tackle because he was sort of given away when they were going to on pass when they were going to throw the ball because of the way he lined up because he's nervous. He clearly was nervous about getting set up and you know getting in the right position. He said playing guard, going from guard to tackle is super hard, and so they would bring in Eric Swinson, uh, a junior who's been on campus for a few years. And, and he seemed to be better in pass protection, but not as good in run, run, uh, uh, run protection. So uh, I think they're going to have to figure out that left tackle spot. But everywhere else, they looked really good. Now, I, I just want to be clear as far as Jeremiah Hall is concerned. If you could just talk to me about him. The reason why I said I really like him in the backfield is because like, I can't tell if this guy's a tight end or if he's a fullback. And you know when he's out, he didn't have any rushing attempts yesterday. Jason, but when he's when he's in the backfield going in motion, I mean the, the guy looks like he can he could be a running back, he could be a fullback, or, or he could be a tight end. Can you take me kind of in inside uh, the Oklahoma football facility and talk about what type of impact this this guy can make as as an H back, as maybe a wild card in this offense? Well, Jeremiah Hall, uh, uh, you know, and this, this is actually kind of a position battle that, that raged on through this week between him and Braden Willis for that job, but it's an extremely important job. And Jeremiah Hall is the latest in a long line of guys who have played that fullback H-back position under Bob Stoops or Lincoln Riley. It goes all the way back to Seth Luttrell, who's now the North Texas head coach. He was the first one in 1999 and 2000. He was on that national championship team. J.D. Runnels uh, played the position. He's uh, you know a guy who was then drafted by the Bears and played in the NFL for a few years. Um, they've had uh, Trey Millard was 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 in that position. Trey Millard's actually kind of interesting because you know Trey Millard played that position and everyone always just wanted him to get more carries. That was always a question to Bob Stoops in press conferences, and I'll admit I asked it too: is why didn't Trey Millard get more carries? Because it was all felt like when he did or when he caught the ball, he did good things. Um, but he was also so valuable as a blocker. Um, you know, they had, uh, Aaron Ripkowski, uh, played that role really well, went on to be drafted by the green Bay Packers. Dimitri flowers played it for several years. I mean, that is a, that is a extremely, maybe the most underrated, uh, very important position in the OU offense. And Jeremiah Hall obviously is playing it now and scores a touchdown on the first drive. I mean, that, that bodes well for him. I mean, um, you know, I don't know how he's going to compare to some of those past guys, but, uh, but so far so good. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I really love that position in college football. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite parts about the sport is a lot of times in, in tight end play, H-back play, has, there's been an uptick uh, in the NFL over the last couple years at that position. But for the most part, in, in an NFL offense, you, you need a big, tall guy who can be a wide receiver uh, tight end combination at this point. You're not necessarily looking at a guy in, in an H-back role. So in, in, in Lincoln Riley's offense in college football, you're going to see that. And I think that's um, an important thing to be able to differentiate between the two leagues and how while we're both playing football in the NFL and college football, there's a, a, a very different style that can make both uh, sports and leagues very, very entertaining. Jason, uh, last night – and, and 
I'm looking at Twitter and I see all the top U.S. trends, and Jalen's one. Oklahoma's another. Lincoln Riley's uh, another trend. These are all in the top five on, on Labor Day weekend on Sunday night. I remember when we did the podcast last week, we talked about how this was a spotlight game. This was an opportunity for, for Oklahoma to take the national stage and put on a show. Could you possibly put into perspective what, what last night uh, did for the brand that is Oklahoma football and, and recruiting yeah. and just the program as a whole? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is what they wanted. This is exactly why Lincoln Riley uh, was open to the to moving this game to Sunday night when Joe Castiglione uh, suggested it, because it gave them the whole night to themselves. The NFL hasn't started yet, um, and so Sunday night is sort of wide open. And yeah, I mean, they they got the they got the the night entirely to themselves. Uh, they they there were recruits that were there last night because uh, they they went to another game la- uh, two nights ago and then were able to make it. You know, guys in maybe Texas were able to make it uh, to the Sunday night game, so they got a bunch of official visitors because of it. So that's obviously a good thing. Um, but also, they were they were all eyes were on them. Like you said, they're I mean, trending topics on Twitter. I mean, they are they were the trending topics on Twitter last night uh, because of this decision. Now, that could have worked the other way. If they'd lost the game last night or something, that would have been pretty pretty terrible for the brand and pretty terrible for recruiting probably. But uh, the fact that Jalen Hurts – and then not only do you have – the game to your the the night to yourself game wise, you have the story in college football, which is Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts is is the most intriguing, fascinating storyline in the whole country this year because of what he did at Alabama, because of the classy, graceful way he handled being benched and being a backup last year, uh, going from one blue blood program to another. Um, everyone wanted to watch Jalen Hurts. And the fact that the game was on Sunday night meant that no one had to choose between watching Jalen Hurts and watching Auburn, Oregon, or, or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, everything worked out perfectly uh, when it comes to, to last night in terms of their publicity. I mean, it was just – it could not have gone better. You, you talked about Jalen Hurts being lovable by Alabama fans, and it reminded me of, of a, a great story that you did last week for The Athletic about Jalen Hurts about his connection with the Alabama fan base. And I can just kind of hear it, you know, talking to you now, Jason, that, uh, and especially after reading the piece, um, that maybe you, you learned a little bit as far as uh, what he means, not only to now the Oklahoma fan base, but, but the Alabama fan base. By the way, if you haven't seen that story, you can go over to The Athletic and, and, and search Jason Kersey. Um, you'll see that. It, it, it's phenomenal. Paul Feinbaum, Eli Gold. You talk to so many guys. Um, talk to me about how you, you put this story together and how it yeah. impacted you as a as a writer as well. Well, I just I wanted to do it because well, a couple of things. I mean, I I, I don't think uh, it's any secret that Jalen Hurts is a pretty um, quiet, reserved guy, and that extends to his family. I mean, it's been kind of hard to uh, you know write big features about Oklahoma's new quarterback because his family and his friends and and the people close to him t- aren't 
aren't really talking much. And I think that's because Jalen doesn't really want them to. I think I think Jalen, uh, you know, kind of uh, wants this season to speak for itself, wants uh, his play to speak for itself. Um, and I don't think he wants those big profile pieces like that out there necessarily, um, or at least his close people close to him talking for them. That's kind of been my experience. And from talking to some of the other guys in the beat, I, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. And so I wanted to find a creative way to write about him. And, and one thing that I noticed is there were a lot of Alabama fans following me on Twitter, tweeting at me about Jalen. Um, and, and then I sort of started thinking more about it. And, and obviously I knew the story of how, uh, incredibly well he had played uh, early in his career. I knew the story about how gracefully he, he handled the, the national championship game. I mean, I watched that game on television, and I remember when they interviewed him on the field after the game, he's just beaming. Um, obviously, you could tell. I mean, I would imagine he was hurting uh, inside, but but he was just beaming that they'd won the national title. He was out there congratulating Tua, all those things. And then, obviously, the SEC title game last year. So, uh, so I, I thought, you know, usually when a quarterback leaves a program, uh, the response by the fan base that he's leaving is either sort of indifference, which is, you know, you know, you, you see that a lot or kind of just outright rooting against them or, or being upset that they left. And that obviously hasn't been the case here. He's not just they're not indifferent. They don't even kind of like him. They love him. And so I wanted to kind of capture that. So, yeah, that's why, you know, I wanted to talk to Paul Feinbaum because, um, you know, as you know, I feel like there are, there's probably no one with his pulse on the, you know, there's no one who has the pulse of the Alabama fan base quite uh, as well as, as Paul. And Eli Gold, the, the radio announcer, uh, who said Jalen will always be one of us. I talked to some of the, some of the great Feinbaum callers. My favorite being Phyllis from Mulga, obviously. I think a lot of people have probably heard heard some of her rants. The first before. lady of Feinbaum, Phyllis from Mulga. Yeah. She's the best oh, yeah. case, she, she? Yeah. Oh, she's awesome. And she uh, you know, talked about how she cried the night that he or the day that he transferred and how much it broke her heart and how she hopes he becomes a great pro and one of the best ever and and uh, so it was a lot of fun to talk to people about him from that perspective because uh, he is so rare in in, in that way. Do yourself a favor, by the way, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic. Um, I, I think the, the price alone, and by the way, you can get 50% off right now on a subscription. Uh, the price alone, which is about $249 a month, this story uh, this month from Jason is worth $250 in and of itself. So uh, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, just go to theathletic.com slash the outside world and make sure you check out that story by, by Jason on, on Jalen Hurts. It was, in my opinion, one of the best – I think features so far uh, that I've seen on the athletics. So props to you, Jason. Well, thank you very much, John. That means a lot, especially coming from someone who, who knows uh, that Alabama fan base uh, about as well as anybody. What can we expect from you coming up as far as projects you're working on this week? Uh, obviously uh, a, a cupcake opponent for the Sooners at home. Uh, they're going to roll over this weekend, and then they go on the road to, to UCLA. So over the next couple of weeks, what's your what's your plan look like in regards to covering those two ball games? Well, yeah, this uh, this week is a little different. I mean, it's not only a opponent that they're going to beat by sixty before South Dakota even gets off the bus. It's also um, 
uh, a short week um, because the game is on Saturday, and so w- there's one less day there. So uh, this week will be a little bit lighter, but uh, you know, next week I have a, a project I've been working on for a while. I'm really excited about um, about uh, Buki Radley Hiles, um, the uh, the OU Nickelback who was a five star recruit and. Uh, from Los Angeles, kind of going back home to play UCLA. So uh, that's a story I'm really excited about. But, you know, later this week we'll have another podcast with another great guest uh, that I'm really looking forward to. So, so yeah, this is going to – it'll be another great week. And, um, you know, I, I really, again, hope people hope people subscribe because we're really excited about what we're putting out there. No doubt about it. It's, it's quality content. And, and um, I was a fan of The Athletic, by the way, Jason, before I signed on board i left the sec network to come work uh for the athletic and um i I was i was a paying customer and by the way i still am um it's it feels nostalgic to me to to still have my own subscription and pay for it because that's how much i honestly uh love this this content Uh, have you any large macro takes away takeaways from 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 game one that we can finish uh, maybe that, that something that may have changed your mind throughout the season. And the reason why I ask that is because it's always fun to look at the schedule, especially after you see a fresh performance uh, with a new set of eyes uh, in a new season. And previously we looked at the schedule and you know, we, we saw that Texas game as, as a possibility for, for Oklahoma to slip up. But uh, the Big 12 gauntlet is tough. You're playing every single team in the league. And all of a sudden – in in late September, you're just rolling off Big 12 game after Big 12 game. Do you feel more confident about the, about the Sooners maybe running the table now that you've seen uh, this 2019 version of the squad last night? Well, I guess, you know, the the the, uh, the defense is – I mean, look, the offense is going to be unbelievable. I mean, I, I just – I don't I, – and, and frankly, I'm getting to the point now where – I mean, obviously Jalen Hurts is a very impressive – player and I'm not taking anything away from him but um, I'm almost getting to the point where if Tanner Mordecai had been the quarterback I wonder what he would have looked like last night I think he would have had a monster game last night too Uh, I don't know if he would have quite had the game that Jalen had but he might have Um, and so you know and and then you know it kind of gets me thinking down the road beyond the schedule this year about oh my god what will Spencer Rattler be able to do in this offense when you know Spencer Rattler one of the uh, most talented quarter freshman quarterbacks to sign with Oklahoma ever. Uh, one of the most game ready freshman quarterbacks to sign with Oklahoma ever. What in the world is he going to be able to do when this offense is his? So that, that was one thing that I thought about. Um, but you know, the other thing is this was such a good preview in terms of an offense to go up against for this defense you know, uh, considering what they're going to face in the Big 12. I do wonder the week-after-week week, uh, gauntlet that they're going to go through in terms of the the offenses they're going to face between Texas Tech. Uh, then a couple weeks later, they're going to play Texas and Sam Ellinger. Uh, they, you know, they're going to have to play um, uh, Oklahoma State. And, man, Spencer Sanders looked really good the other night. Uh, they're going to have to play Baylor. Um, and I, I really like Baylor this year. So, I mean, there are a lot of – games that are going to be really tough and and you know when you stack them on top of each other it's it, you wonder how that's going to affect this defense but I got to say Derek King is probably one of the best quarterbacks they're going to play this year and I again you know aside from some of the late uh, touchdowns I thought they looked pretty good and I think they're only going to get better I think they're I'm not saying they're going to be a top 20 defense or anything this year but I think there's a lot of reason for optimism now uh, when it comes to that defense but you know, we'll just have to see. 
Game one is in the books. The Sooners officially 1-0 and on the season. Um, could a March to 12, 13, 14, 15 NO have started last night? Uh, we'll find out as, as the weeks roll on. Jason and I will be with you every Monday right here. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. We'd love to hear what you think about us and subscribe to The Athletic as well because Jason will be back later in the week, as you heard, with a special co-host on Thursday. And we'll look forward to that. For Jason Kersey, I'm John Hayes. We'll talk to you on the outside world soon.